This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Tessa Cord, who's the CEO and co-founder of Intelligence Bank. G'day, Tessa. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Um, okay, so uh, Intelligence Bank's a startup, 10 years old. Um, now, you were at Hitwise also for 10 years before that. Um, uh, tell us about what you thought of for Intelligence Bank, why you started it. Sure. And, and what the idea was. Yeah, sure. So um, I w- I've been in startup for 20 I guess I've had two jobs in 20 years, which is which is a worry to some, but um, some would say I'm a stable employee. Um, so when I was at Hitwise, um, which was an internet measurement firm, it was an Aussie startup, um, tons of fun. Um, and I was there, I was in charge of sales and mar- global sales and marketing. And um, I guess when we exited Hitwise and I wanted to start my own startup, I basically created the product I always wanted to have as running global sales and marketing um, for... Oh, you mean as a customer? As this, a customer, This is the product yeah. you would like to I would have, have been able to, to have. use. Right. Yeah. So, um, so Intelligence Bank, at the end of the day, is a marketing operations platform that basically helps to manage the life cycle of creative content. So... Um, whether you're briefing and creative, having to get it approved, managing it and distributing it amongst marketing departments as well as agencies and also sales teams. Um, that's really our sweet spot. And I guess the vision for it came from when I was yeah, working at another startup and that's what I and always wanted. And is it wanted. partly about trying to get sales and marketing to work together? Yeah, there's a bit of that. It's more about um, how do you create efficiency as well as not get fired and not get sued at the same time. So um, while we work with any marketing department, it's really about um, how do you create that velocity of getting lots of work out the door quickly, but then at the same time ensuring that you know the terms and conditions and the, the fine print kind of gets into the different ads where it needs to go. Yeah, and so as the as the idea had to evolve, I mean, were you right in your thinking ten years well, ago? It's really funny um, when we go back to look at the original business plan. It's actually the same tools and features that we have. Kind of how we've positioned it over time has changed um, and has evolved. And obviously, um, you know, working with big clients, um, you know, providing their feedback that helps to shape the market and to shape the product. But um, at the end of the day, it's kind of the same product. We and has invented. it always been software as a service? Because that sort of idea has been more recent, it seems to me, than 10 years ago. Yeah, it always has. I mean, we have a couple of one-off implementations, but we tend to, um, it, it tends to get more complicated and more expensive doing that. So um, 99.9% of everything we do is SaaS, and it started from that day one. And what's the sort of, what's the pricing for Intelligence Bank? So it really depends on a couple of things. So we have some clients who are relatively small who spend around $10,000 a year. Um, we have other clients who are in six- and seven-figure deals, um, depending on the extent of their implementation. So pricing kind of goes around by um, the number of users you have, the number of modules, and also the number of services. So yeah, some clients, I, I know that there's a number, there's kind of a few tiers. You've got three main tiers. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. And so and as you go up the tiers, you 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 retain all the previous tier. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm interested in um, Hitwise because uh, the thing, interesting thing about Hitwise is that it was a fantastic idea in 1997 when I think it was Adrian Giles and Andrew Barlow yep. started it, yep. which was to measure, as you say, measure... Measure the internet. Measure the internet, yep. right? Um, and uh, they sold it uh, for $240 million. To yes. Experian. Yes. But then the Experian sold it uh, a few years later for $47 million, right? Yes. 
So um, it seemed to me that Hitwise kind of had its day, right? It, 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 it was good for a while, but then everyone started doing it or Facebook did or something. I think there's a bit of – yeah, there's a couple of issues with that. So I think the first thing is is that the re- one of the reasons why Hitwise was so successful is that we had search data that nobody else had. So we were able to tell – let's say, a Westpac, how people were searching on ANZ, as an example. And so that concept of internet measurement for competitive intelligence around search is really what spurred the business. Um, It did have rankings and charting and kind of other things as well, but it was that search data that was kind of the key um, side of it. And so I guess when we sold in 2000, and I think it was 2008 now, um, one of the, I guess, the... um, one of the issues, I guess, at the time is during the sale is that that's when social media really started to explode. And so I think with any startup product, you're really only as good as your last feature and ensuring that you have the right team in place who can capitalize on those things. So the only reason for raising that was because I'm wondering whether you have in your mind that you need to ensure that your business is, in a sense, future-proofed. Completely. In a way that Hitwise, in a way that Hitwise yeah, was not. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what happened to Hitwise also, I mean, we, we ran it as a very, very tight team. And, I mean, I, I ran global sales and marketing for a long time, and I was actually denied Australian citizenship when, um, because I physically had been on a plane too, too often and not in the country enough when I moved to Australia from New York. So, because I was out building the team and getting people on board. But I think one of the issues with Experian, and again, I was only there for a year, so I, I can't really speak um, that much about it. But I think one of the problems is is that the, the Hitwise team became part of a larger organization and they started reporting in to the company on a regional basis. Yeah. So you kind of lose that magic when you're not operating as one and you start, you know, the guys in the UK so are you, reporting uh, uh, to uh, England. and Yeah, well, look, I want to talk about Intelligence Bank. And yeah. are, you, are you keeping the magic? I know that you've, you've had a couple of rounds, capital raising yeah. rounds. Yeah, yeah. Have you had to part with much of the company? No, not not much. Um, well, you know, you have to part with a little bit. But I think I think the most important thing with capital raising is raising the amount of money you need to get to the next stage. And also, you know, raising capital is like a marriage. You know, you're getting into bed with these people um, who are helping you grow your business. And um, we've been very, very lucky with our um, VCs who have been very supportive of the business um, very supportive of um, my husband and I, who co-own the business together, and um, really kind of tr- you know we're very transparent in how we operate with them. Um, but they also trust us to make the right decision, and you know we treat every dollar we raise from investors as if it were our own. So I think when you have that trust there, then you know things can go quite well. But you've been cash flow positive for most of the time, yeah. So, you? so why have you had to raise money? Yeah, to, to grow fast. So um, look, we could kind of continue on and grow, you know, at modest rates, but we're growing at 50, between 50 and 60% year on year. And so to fund that growth and to fund the salespeople you need, and you know we've expanded into the U.S. market, which has been really exciting. Um, you need capital and cash flow to, to make that happen. So really, the cash that we do raise is operational cash flow. So it's more about having enough money in the bank so I can sleep at night um, to, to make you know some of these big hires. And I think what's interesting also is that as you scale your business, it's really about people in process. And so um, you know, at you know, when you're starting early on, you can do everything as a founder and just kind of be across everything. But at some point you have to hire, you know, senior managers and you need a deep bench and you need people to um, make decisions and to run the business, um, so you're not having to be across every decision. Are you in the? Are you at the point now where you have to start hiring people who have got specific 
expertise. Completely, yes. That uh, as opposed to people who could do everything. Yeah, that's right, and it's a real it's a real challenge. You know, it's funny. Um, our head of product is the second employee we ever hired, and he was one of those people who was able to transition into knowing and doing everything into into a specific area. He still does everything, but um, but. As you grow, you definitely need people who are product experts, who are marketing experts, who are sales experts, and um, but still collaborating. And you know, one of the things that's really important for us is the concept that we talk about a lot is about having each other's back. So you know, when you go to win a big deal, it's not one guy or one woman who's winning that deal. It's really the village around that person who's winning that deal with them. And so that's something that we are pretty cognizant about. And with going to the U.S., have you have you sent people over or have you hired there? Yeah, we've done a mix. So um, are you it's, – it's really funny in hindsight. You know, I was really bullish about the U.S. obviously being American. I was like, yeah, I've got this. I know everyone over there. It's, it's no problem. But it's really hard um, to launch in the U.S. for a couple of reasons. Um, the, the first issue with it is that – the U.S. is huge. So it's huge and it's expensive. And so let's say you go to a trade show in Ohio, you meet all these people. Yeah, they want to buy. It's a great deal. And then you go back to your office in L.A. or wherever you are. And then you're like, when am I going to see that guy from Ohio ever again? Where in Australia, it's a lot easier because there's basically three cities you can sell to. And if you just stay on the east coast of Australia, you kind of cover you know, 80% of the business market pretty pretty quickly. Obviously, we have friends in Perth and Adelaide we go see quite often. But um, you can ha- when you're doing enterprise sales, it's a lot easier in Australia than the U.S. because it's so spread out. So we've actually just um, brought over um, one of our senior salespeople from here who's actually moved to the U.S. and he's kicking some big goals right now. So it's, it's an exciting time for us. So do you see your company now as a global business? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's how it's going to be? Yeah, I think for all, you know, SaaS startups, you have to think global from day one. And, um, you know, we have clients in Israel, we have clients in the UK, we have clients, you know, in Thailand. So you have to be prepared to do that. And it's hard and it's called 24-7 support and, you know, making sure you're there for your customers. And what's the exit plan? Do you have one? Um not really. I mean, our exit plan is to keep growing. So um, it's for I guess for me, you know, even though I've been in it for ten years, every year just gets more fun um, it, because it's the the puzzle and the challenge becomes bigger and bigger. Um, and so for us, it's about how do we grow faster and how do we get better channels of distribution, especially in the U.S. Hmm. Interesting to talk to you, Tessa. Thanks. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. I've been talking to Tessa Court, who's the CEO and co-founder of Intelligence Bank.